Hey there, and welcome back to The Extras. My name is Jack. I'm Sam. Good to be back with you, Sam. Back in person this time. We Here were we on are. Zoom yeah. last week. Uh, yes. Those not... of you who are... Sorry, I cut you off. I was going to say, it's not much nicer to be back in back in person. It's, it's, it's something about a Zoom call, that micro delay. You don't quite get the yeah. same engagement anyway. That's right. It's going to be instant, you know, just real-time reactions all about today. Good stuff. <laughs> That's right. Um, for those of you playing at home, you'll notice there's a break in our pattern in general. Uh, we have Sam and Rod preaching through our Roman series, so we've tended to be jumping back and forth. Uh, Rod's not with us today because sadly our brother Rod has been struck down with COVID. Yeah. Uh, we've been we've been praying for him, encourage you to pray for Rod and his recovery as well. Looking forward to him having him uh, back with us sometime soon, God willing. Mm. So Sam, thank you for stepping in as yeah. we get into uh, questions about the back half of Romans 13 is what we've been looking at today. For those yeah. of us who need a refresher, could you remind us, uh, what did we have a look at in Romans 13 as you preached it for us on Sunday? Yeah, well, so I, I looked at um, understanding the present time. So uh, learning how to how to live uh, in the light, understanding where we are right now, both in terms of what Jesus has, has already done for us, but in particular about his imminent return and, um, and knowing that the days are short... There's this beautiful verse in here that says, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. It's, mm. it's one day closer to the return of Christ. And so that calls for um, certain ways of living. It calls for love and it calls for putting aside the deeds of darkness and putting on uh, what I called um, daytime living, um, li- living a life that's appropriately um, honoring of, of, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, you had that illustration of, you know, you wouldn't wear your pajamas to the wedding. Yeah, that's right. So why would you continue to cling to the deeds of darkness when uh, the light is dawning and it's almost daytime? That's a very vivid image that really stuck with me, so thank you for that. We're going to get into a bunch of questions people have sent in. Uh, For you listening, thank you for you who have sent questions. We have some really good, meaty stuff to dig into today. Uh, To start with, we had a number of questions related to... The issue of love, that's mm-hmm. where we start in the passage. Uh, Paul says, don't let any debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Yeah. First question, someone has texted in, I think we need to define what it means to love for the Christian even more. We need to love is a too broad a statement for many. Uh, let's think how, how practically, what does that look like? Yeah. Can you help us with that, Sam? How do we think a bit more specifically into what is love? Yeah. Um, thanks for the question. I think... Uh, in the context of, of the passage we looked at, um, Paul does give some specificity, um, mm. particularly here around keeping God's law. Um, so, you know, um, things like you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal. Um, you, it's very hard to murder someone while you love them. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like those mm. two things. So, you know, don't do that. that there's a start. Um, but I think I made the broader point that actually God's law, as it's revealed, we've got some other questions on that in a minute, which we'll get into, mm. um, actually is a guide as to how we are to love one another. So my first um, thought is keep going back to the Bible and read what God says is good and how God says to live, and there is a good guide for how to love others. I think mm. I'd say that as... Um, as a first port of call. The second thing I'd say is that actually this has been the theme of the whole last few weeks of Romans. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, this is not the first time love's been mentioned. In fact, if you go back to chapter 12, verse 9, love is to be sincere. We're to be devoted to one another in love. And actually the whole, much of what's going on in chapter 12 is specific application of what love looks like, which is actually what we've been talking about for the last four or five weeks. So if you mm. missed those, go back and have a look. Um 
so things like using your gifts uh, not for yourself but for the building up of the body that's a that's a loving thing to do yeah. I think uh, that was you know what that whole section was all about uh, then uh, don't be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving uh, you know serving God serving others there's a way to love um, you know blessing those who persecute you and not cursing them you know there's a way to love rejoicing with those who rejoice I'm just going through chapter 12 here. <laughs> yeah uh, like, and I feel like if, if you're looking for specific application on how to love, like all of what we've done through the course of Romans uh, 12 and 13 so far, I think is that. And this is sort of a, there is a bit of a shift where um, there's this, within 12 to 16, there's some smaller subsections. 12 and 13 are like a unit. Mm. And then 14 uh, to the middle of 15 is like another unit. Right. So this is like a round out moment. And it's sort of like all of this stuff that we've been talking about is how you love. So... I hope that's helpful, um, mm. and I think that the best place to keep going back in terms of how to love is go back to the scriptures. Yeah, love it. Good stuff. Keep coming on. Uh, it's related to some of the things you've been saying. Uh, someone's texted, uh, what do I tell my friend who feel as though they give so much to church, but they don't feel like they're getting anything in return? They don't feel this love, which is the expectation of church mm. life. So it's a question with my friend. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, asking for a friend. Yeah, asking for a friend, right? Yeah, um, yeah look, thank you. And, and that, that's, a, that's a real thing. I, I don't want to downplay how mm. hard that might feel when you feel like you're giving lots and not getting a lot in return. Yeah. In that moment, um, a couple of things to say. One is, that's a very Christ-like place to find yourself, isn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, that is the nature of God's love. He loved us when we didn't love him. And he poured himself out even when there was there's certainly nothing in it for him and didn't receive much back. Uh, mm-hmm. So take heart, brother, sister. Um, if you're feeling a little bit like it's, it's pouring yourself out for the sake of others, um, then you are uh, possibly in a very Christ-like place. Yeah. Yeah, important to say. I think that's more we can say as well. Yeah, I think that um, you. Were, I mean, the point you were making about this on Sunday, Sam, is that um, some of us bring, I guess, the opposite to what this person is saying. Some mm. of us bring the one-way love, which is uh, I come yeah. to consume yeah. and to be loved. And that's what I was trying to challenge. On yeah, yeah. Um, you've yep. given us a, a better vision of church, which is this two-way love. Yeah. This person maybe feels like it's it's one way, one way the other way. Yeah, which is also you know, not ideal. So it may yeah. be that in this kind of situation, if you are pouring yourself out, uh, like. The church, when it's working well, when the body is building itself up, we're, we're loving each other. Uh, yeah. So yeah. this is not ideal in that sense. And and I wonder if a place to start maybe to to speak up. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes we can bring unstated expectations to our communities so. and to church life. We come saying, uh, no one's no one's talked to me, no one's looking out for me, no one's addressing this thing. Yeah. And there may be all sorts of issues there, but maybe one of them is, yeah, are there people who you've expressed it to and said, actually, I, you know, I'm not getting a lot back yeah. here. Like, yeah, yeah start a conversation. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, we, we do a lot of marriage prep, Sophia and I, and mm. uh, one of the things we keep telling young couples is... Um, you, no one is a mind reader, and uh, yeah. if you, and if we're trying to love one another, then the best way to do that is to communicate with one another what uh, what lo- what love I need. Um, not in a demanding, pushy way, but in just a hey, I just need you to know that this thing's happening for me, so that mm. they can love you. And I, I think wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if that was the nature of some of our say growth groups or your mm. ministry team or whatever. Um, and, and my encouragement to this person would be to, in, in the right way, I mean, maybe talk with your leader first, potentially, but just say to them, hey, some stuff's going on for me. I, I need a bit of love. Uh, I wonder if I could share this with the group. Um, yeah. And uh, and I actually think um, 
yeah, there's something powerful about saying, hey guys, I'm just, I'd love you to pray for me. Mm. Also just, I need a bit of extra encouragement. Wondering if you can, you can help me in this. This is what's happening in my world at the moment. And uh, I think that's, that's healthy and helpful. Um, yeah, so I'd encourage you to, to, to say something if that's the case. Yeah, and maybe I'm taking the question of face value, you know, what do I tell my friend who says this? Tell them you love them. Tell them, <laughs> I would right. love to, can we go out for a coffee? Like, spend some that's time right. together. Like, sounds like you need some love. Like, that's right, and potentially your friend has told you this because <laughs> they want you to love them. So yeah. I would say, show them some love. Yeah, yeah, well said. Yeah. We'll keep coming on. Yep. Next one. The Bible doesn't say we need to get on with people necessarily. Uh, it does say we need to love one another. This person writes, it suggested that Paul and Peter did not necessarily get on in Galatians chapter 2. So is it okay or right in God's eyes to not like someone but still love them? Or should we try to be friends with all our brothers and sisters? Oh, wow. There's, there's a few things to, to touch on there. Um, mm. let, let me start with the Paul and Peter and then we'll, we'll um, tackle the question more, more generally. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm wholly with them um i don't think what's going on in galatians 2 this is the bit where where paul opposes peter to his face um Mm. i don't think if you read galatians 2 in its context i don't think that is about a personality clash i don't think it's like he was an alpha and he was a you know (laughs) and they're just knocking heads all the time you know i don't think that's the issue the issue in galatians 2 is actually a significant theological one that peter because of his jewish heritage is actually withdrawing fellowship from the gentile believers um, and Peter's like, man, if you do that, that's completely compromising the whole gospel message, and mm. you, you you need to repent. This is this is theologically significant and pastorally significant. And and Peter, I think, to his credit, hears Paul's yeah. rebuke and uh, changes tact. Mm. And so I actually think what's going on there is a great example of love. Um, and I think then restored relationship on the other end of that. So yeah. I don't think it's a personality like I don't Peter so doesn't they don't get like on Paul, like, no. yeah. yeah. So. That's where I'd start. Um, mm. Second thing, though, there is something to this question. Which you don't get, you don't click with everybody. Some people you click with and you find really easy to love. Others you don't click with and you find them challenging and more difficult to love. I, I totally get that. I hear that. Yeah. A um, couple of things I'd say is, yeah, sometimes that's a thing and you need to kind of love that person anyway. Mm. Um, but I do think the more we grow in Christ, um, <coughs> I think the encouragement is to... To, to learn how to appreciate even people who on face value are very difficult. Um, yeah. They're still made in the image of God, they're, especially if they're a Christian, they're, they've been saved and been given gifts and you've got to try and look for what's the thing that this, the positive thing in this person and look for it because sometimes, and here's a moment of personal confession, I think sometimes when, when this happens for me, I, I get into this um, looking down on people. And you remember back in Romans 12 uh, mm. when it talked about uh, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, yeah. but rather think of yourself in, with sober judgment. And then it goes on to speak about actually um, using your life to serve others. Um, mm. I think sometimes when we have a, a pers- personality clash with someone, we get into that, what, a, what an idiot, what a loser, I'm so much better. Um, I don't need them, but I guess I've got to love them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas I actually think that's think that's coming from a place uh, where we're thinking highly of ourselves, and I think we want to humble ourselves and go, what what am I missing about this person? There's got to be something good here. They're still a work in progress, no doubt. Yeah. But there's got to be something good here. I think the gospel teaches us to look for that. Yeah. I think the thing I want to affirm this question is like, there's something real that we we don't want to sort of just paper over. Like it's yeah. like the reality is, yes, in life there were people you don't immediately click with. Like. Yeah. We don't want to come to church just like pretending like, oh, yeah. we're a family, so we all just love each other. Like, I think it's okay to name the reality. Like, yes, there'll be some people who um, will will this will be tougher for. Like, it's okay. Mm. 
But like you're saying, I think we want to move beyond that and the gospel push, like the, the, the kind of, the language the Bible gives us, like this brotherly love language. Like it's more than just, oh, I don't like you, but I'm happy to kind of diligently, dutifully Put serve you. you. Like it's, it's, it's you know, it's this, yeah. the affection of Christ Jesus is what we're meant to love yeah. each other with. So I think we, yeah. we acknowledge that we, we fall short of this and we, we want to prayerfully grow to, yeah, actually be able to kind yeah. of love people yeah. who we didn't get on with in a, I think in more than just duty, like I think it's yes. meant to get to affection, but that's going to take time and it's a process and yep. something with much prayer. Yeah. Yep. It's a goal to strive for there. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Yep. yep. Some solid questions digging into love there. Mm. Uh, mm. We're going to change gears a little bit, move on a bit further on in the passage. The reason Paul's talking about love is he goes on to talk about how love is the fulfillment of the law. Yep. So we've got some questions digging into this idea of law. Yep. First one of those, someone says, can you compare Paul's comment in 1 Corinthians 6 that all things are permissible, but not all things are helpful? Compare that with Sam's commentary on the law on Sunday. Yeah, good to open up 1 Corinthians 6 then. Let's yeah. have a look at that. I mean, uh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 6, um, Paul is, I think, uh, in verse uh, 12, um, he, he's quoting back, I think, a, a Corinthian slogan, like a, a something that they've perhaps expressed to Paul. Uh, it's an in inverted commas, you know. I, I, in my version, it's "I have the right to do anything," which I think in the old version is "all things are permissible." Yeah. And then Paul kind of corrects that by saying, "But not everything's beneficial." Mm. Um, and then he quotes them again: "I have the right to do anything." And then he corrects that: "But I won't be mastered by anything." So, um, good to just kind of read that a bit in its context. I'm I'm struggling a little bit to see the connection to the law. I don't know, maybe Jack, if you can help me out here. In yeah, terms of... like I wonder if this person is picking up on that language of permissibility. Like, is it that one Corinthians six is saying yes, all things are permissible, as mm. in you know the law prohibits some things, permits others, but here Paul, as the Christian, says you know well you know everything's permissible. Is this yeah. a, is someone asking? Does this uh, statement here sort of Gotcha. have a complete law abolitionist thing oh, going on, see, whereas Romans 13 is more like, yeah. is there a conflict between Romans 13 and this maybe? Is that yeah, the question? Great. I mean, I think in this context, um, I, I don't think that's the way to read uh, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12, because right before that he says, don't be deceived that pe- certain people who do certain behaviours, things like uh, thieves and greedy and drunkards and slanderers and sexual offenders and all sorts of things, those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I don't think he can therefore be saying, hey, anything goes in the Christian life. It's mm. all good. It's all about grace. Um, he's just said a whole bunch of stuff. Don't be deceived. These kinds won't inherit. Yeah. Um, and then he quotes their comment, which is everything's permiss- permissible. And he goes, no, nah, not quite. Actually, not everything's beneficial. So yeah. I don't think this is a comment on the law per se. Yeah. And it is interesting. I mean, Paul doesn't like directly refute their statement. So they, mm. the Corinthians are saying, I have the right to do anything. Like Paul could say, no, you don't. Like, mm. look at all these things that Jesus still says don't do. Mm. Like, he doesn't say that. Yep. He just, he sort of reframes the question. Like, yeah. they're raising this thing about what's right. Paul reframed it and like says, no, well, what's good for you? Yeah. What's what's helpful? And yeah. he goes on to talk about, like, one of the reasons sexual morality is bad is it's it's defiling you. It's, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's trashing the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you are. Like, it's it's not good. Like, it's not helpful. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still also wrong. But he just sort of slightly changes the question, I think, to yeah. help them see a different angle on it. Helpful yeah. comment. Yep. Yeah. All right. We'll keep going. Uh, the other thing that another thing that happens in Romans 13 in this law section. So Paul quotes some of the Ten Commandments. Mm. Uh, someone's asked, is there any particular reason Paul chooses not to mention the honor your mum and dad and the false witness commands? Because he mentions the others of the Ten Commandments about loving others. Does he count those two that he doesn't mention as lesser commands somehow? It's a great question. The short answer is I'm not 100% sure. Um yeah, it's hard. It's, sometimes you want to ask the question, what's behind 
the writer's mind here? Why have they said this? And why why haven't they said this thing? And we try and read motives into what's not there. Mm. So I, I think I'd just say straight up, I'm not 100% sure why. Um, my best thought is that my vibe right throughout Romans 12 and 13 is that Paul has the Sermon on the Mount in front of him. Yeah, interesting. So this is Jesus in Matthew, Matthew 5, 5 to 7. 7. Yep. Um, and there's just so many little... I don't know if you've noticed this on the way through Romans. There's so many bits that you feel like, oh, I feel like Jesus said that, and I feel like here we're getting it again from Paul in Romans 12. And so mm. um, so like so, some examples of that that we've seen already... Um, you know, it's quite love must be sincere, hate what's evil, cling to what's good. You know, it's just that feels very Jesus y, doesn't it? You know, mm. um, chapter 12, verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. That, that like, feels. Sermon that has the whole turn the other cheek yeah, thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't repay anyone for evil for evil. Do you know, like, oh, mm. that feels very Jesus y. Um, you know, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Like, again, that just feels very kind of Sermon on the Mount like. Yeah. Um, and then what you've got here is this section about love being the fulfillment of the law. Um, and again, you know, that's, that's very Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? That, that the law is being fulfilled. Um, and then it's interesting, what does Paul go on? As soon as he says that in chapter 5, he goes on to talk about um, murder, adultery. Um, yeah, just the, the, the things that are mm. here in Romans 12. And I, I, I don't, again, I don't have a 100% theory on this. I can't be certain this is what Paul is doing, but it just feels a little bit like that's what he's picking up off. And in the same way, Matthew 5 doesn't mention yeah. um, parents, for instance, as one of the things you've heard this said, but I tell you. Um, why does Jesus ignore that? Is it because it's less important? I don't think so. I think it's just he's mm. teaching us something about the way the law works and how it's fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. Like we know that, Je- that um, Paul particularly doesn't think less of that command because he quotes it in Ephesians 6. Yeah, that's right. So Ephesians 6, he says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, mm. which is the first commandment with a promise. And that one's really interesting. That's you know a bit of an aside, but that's Paul one of the points where you see him quoting the law with with almost with like no caveats with no mm. like oh but you're not under mm. law you're under grace there's yep. no fulfillment like it's no just the old testament says do it and yeah. so do it so that's yep. interesting we'll, yeah we'll keep thinking about that but clearly paul thinks that that's another thing that's really significant coming out of the law to inform our life in christ so yep. Yep. yeah that can't be the reason he's not mentioning it yet but yeah yeah, I quite like your Sermon on the Mount theory. I haven't really thought that through, but now that you yeah. say it, it's like, yeah, just, yeah, that seems like there's something going on there. It's, yeah. a, it's a fruitful exercise, and I did this a number of months ago just to try and draw what parallels can you see in Romans 12 and 13 and Matthew 5 to 7, mm. and there's quite a lot. So There you go. Homework for you and the extras if you want to go do some extra extras yeah, yeah. once we there finish talking. Yep. All right, next question. Does this following of God's law, because it's still relevant and fulfilled by love, apply to all of God's laws in the Old Testament, like food laws, Sabbath, traditions. Uh, we had this question in a couple of forms. Like other people mentioned things like the feast of the new moon and getting yeah. tattoos. Yeah, Lots yeah, of laws yeah. in the Old Testament. Um, yep. So we meant to follow them all. And if not, how do we discern which laws to follow and what rules are no longer necessary to follow because of the sacrifice of Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for the question. Um, I wish I could have said more on this. Um, and mm. you, as a preacher, let me just share you one of the one of the struggles of the preacher is that you're allotted thirty minutes on a Sunday, of which I took thirty five. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I suffer from that malady as well. Don't worry. <laughs> um, 
but man, I have so many thoughts of things I'd like to dig into. And you have to make decisions as a preacher as to what you're going to focus on. And I felt um, with my kind of um, pastor's hat on that the big thing that I really wanted to get us to think about hard was the issue of alcohol and drunkenness. And so mm. you would have seen in the way that I allocated my time on Sunday, I, I gave some time to that. We've got some questions coming on that in a minute. Yeah. Um, I had to, at that point, make a decision not to spend too much time digging into some of the theology of the law. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to, and there's, there's much more to say. So thanks for asking yeah. the question. Here you now, go. Here's where you get can... to, everything you chopped out of the sermon can slot back in here. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly right. Um, uh, so uh, what to say? I think there, there's two things that, I mean, I know you've got some thoughts on this too, Jack, so I'm mm. keen to hear your uh, insights. But two comments I'd say is, traditionally, um, New Testament scholars um, think through... Um, the three different kind of aspects of the law, if you like, there's a kind of, there's a moral law. Um, there's what we call a, a civil law, things that were kind of like, this is the way life in the land in, in Israel is meant to be kind of lived out. Mm. Um, but then also the ceremonial law, things to, pertaining to the worship of God and the ceremonies required for the, um, uh, kind of making right of making restitution for sin and that kind of stuff. Mm. So there are three categories. And, and one of the things that, um, they kind of, uh, the, the, the scholars tend to uh, say is that when it comes to the, the kind of the fulfillment of the law, um, that this, because of we're no longer in the land of Israel, we're no longer under the old covenant in that place, actually now um, we're in the new covenant, that the, the kind of the civil laws of Israel are kind of um, fulfilled, if you like, done, uh, done with. Uh, the uh, Similarly, the ceremonial laws in terms of the whole tabernacle and temple worship Again, fulfilled in Christ and so no mm. longer kind of um, uh, yeah, applicable to the Christian. Yeah. But what stands is the moral law. So that's that's one way that um, I think can be helpful for this process of working out well, which ones um, are we called to, uh, like I think do not murder continues to stand yeah. um, as, as kind of articulated in the Ten Commandments at, at the very heart of, of God's kind of morality, if you like. Yeah. Um, I think there's another thing to add to that, and I, I find it quite compelling, is um, one of my New Testament lecturers at Moore College, uh, a guy by the name of Brian Rosner, came up with this sort of little rubric of three R's that I think are quite helpful. That Actually, as you look at the way Jesus himself and the writers of the New Testament deal with the law, they seem to do three things. So alongside the moral, civil, ceremonial um, distinctions, you can also look sometimes Jesus himself repudiates the law mm. and and basically you know like the bits where by this all things are declared clean you know yeah. so the foods um, so those food laws no longer uh stand because jesus has actually repudiated them other times um jesus reappropriates re- reappropriates you know like you've heard it said do not murder but i actually tell you don't hate your brother you know and he was angry at his brother is under the judgment of god um goes hard like do you know what i mean actually mm. it goes a little bit further um and uh, then, uh, sorry, sorry, that's reaffirm. Sorry, not reappropriate. That, sorry, that's the second one. So it's <laughs> repudiate, uh, reaffirm, like actually make it stronger. Yeah. Uh, and then reappropriate, mm. which is actually what you thought was about this thing in the Old Testament is actually about this new gospel thing that I'm trying to show you. So, um, you know, the, the Hebrews does this all the time, right? Yeah, the, sure. You see the ceremonial picture of the law and the offerings and. And actually, that's designed to show you something of what Christ has done in offering himself as a sacrifice. And you mm. go, oh, I see what the law was just shining a light on. I now see fully in Christ. Yeah. So there's another way to think about how to how to uh, approach the, the law as a Christian. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, and um, memorable. Yeah, three hours. That's yeah. good. Um, I feel like, the, yeah, in one sense, I don't want to add anything. Like, I think you've, you've said it's really 
helpful, true stuff there. Um, the one thing that maybe I reckon people still have thoughts maybe is um, Romans has very kind of strong statements that seem um, to uh, repudiate the whole law, if you like. You know, Romans 6, like, we're not under law, we're under grace. Like, mm. very strong statements. Yeah. And the way I take that, uh, like, I think a statement like that's showing you you're not under the law as as a covenant, as a as yeah. a way of relating to God and being saved. Yes. That doesn't mean that the law has nothing to say to you because yeah. Paul, in the same letter, goes on to say, yeah, love fulfills the law, therefore the law is good. And like, yeah. I mean, he says lots of things, positive things about the law as well, right? Like, yeah, law, is, right. law is holy, righteous, and good, Romans mm. 7. Um, so you're not under the law as a way of being justified, mm. but that doesn't mean the law has nothing to say to you. Like, I think 2 Timothy 3, 16 is really helpful still. Like, all scriptures, God breathed, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. Like, the law is part of that the law informs us it teaches us mm, mm. um so in a sense like you know you, you read genesis through deuteronomy which of the commands apply to you in a sense it's none of them mm. like you are not under that law no, yeah, as that, a means of being justified absolutely. so you don't have to obey any of those laws because for justification yeah because you're not an israelite living in the land of canaan like that's right but the reason why i think the moral aspect of the law continues is because the moral law is something that's uh, true beyond just israel and that covenant so mm. one of the ways that the reformed theologians of our sort of our forefathers have talked about this is that the the, the mosaic law was kind of a um what's the word they use like a sort of like similar to the word you use like a kind of reaffirmation like a republication is one mm. of the words they use it's mm. a republication of the moral law because the moral law is there from creation like mm. god told adam and Eve in the garden like here's here's mm. what you do here's what you don't do mm. um sinai is this a moment where god again reaffirms some of those things that are true for all people at all times yeah and gives them particular rules that flesh it out in the life of Israel. Mm. And the kind of the structure of the law books helps with that. Like, you read the book of Deuteronomy, the Ten Commandments is up there really early, chapter 5, here's the Ten Commandments. The rest, like the next 25 chapters of Deuteronomy, sort of apply the Ten Commandments in different spheres. Mm. So you go through Deuteronomy and there's like a section that's all about sort of um, different, like, violent crimes. It's kind of related to the Do Not Murder command. And mm. there's a section about different sexual crimes related to the adultery command. You can kind of see there's this... You're fleshing mm. out the Ten Commandments by showing it in different situations in the life of Israel. Mm. So what do you do with that when you actually come to as a Christian? Like, do I keep this or not? Like, I think specific examples sometimes help with that. Um, one of the ones I just flipped, flipped open to, Deuteronomy 24, verse 19. When you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf of wheat, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Now, for you as a Christian in the 21st mm. century, Sam, like, what do you do with that? Like, I dropped a loaf of bread. Do I don't go back for it. I yeah, leave that's it for right. The <laughs> like, is that a, is that a moral law or a civil law? Like, you yeah. kind of ask that question. I think yeah. the question sort of breaks down a bit if you go too deep into it. Like, I think it's both. Like, yeah. here's a law that's, in one sense, it's a civil law. Like, it's it's administrating life in Israel, right? Like, it's here's like the social security thing going mm. on in Israel. Like, this is how you look after the poor people. You make sure you leave some wheat in your field for the poor people, and you know you, you read Ruth and see that in action. Um, but there's a moral thing here as well because this is this is you showing love for the foreigner and the vulnerable mm. person in you. So for you as a Christian, you read that. Well, I don't have a field. I'm not doing any harvesting. <laughs> yeah. But here's a call for me to to love and care for the the poor and the marginalized and the widow and the people who are vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, like that's the thing for me to take. And then totally. what that means, like in my situation, I need to think that through. But there's my principle. That's yeah. telling me what love looks like for my neighbor. Now I go and run with that and work out what to do in this life. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Very helpful. Lots there. Um, massive topic. Yeah. It's yeah. a good one. Though. Yeah. Hope that's helpful to start you thinking through how you come and read the Old Testament laws. Yeah. yeah. Good. All right. Alcohol. So we had a number of, well, we had a number of comments come in about this. So um, yeah. we can, we'll read through these and you can comment as you would like, Sam. Mm -hmm. 
First one, aren't Australians taking a stance on alcohol violence by the Sydney lockout laws? Um, so Sam, you mentioned you know alcohol is never in the discussion about violence. Is this a counterexample to that? Yeah. Now we're saying I, I only made this point at night church. I had I had uh, three different sermons on Sunday. Um, wow. So we're working with, hard with three different. Uh, well, not three different sermons, but three different applications. Um, so in the night church one, I, I spent a little bit more time on alcohol than mm. I did. Um, uh, in, in other places. And one of the points that I made was that uh, I'm amazed that we're talking about, rightly talking about issues around violence, but I, I made the comment that I don't think uh, in Australia we're, we're talking about the link between alcohol and um, or, and we're not willing to make the sacrifices mm. um, as a culture in order to deal with the violence issue because we want to hang on to our alcohol. That was yeah. the point that I made. Uh, they, they've then asked, what, what about the Sydney lockout laws? Well, I think I'd say case in point in that <laughs> Somebody tried that and now they've been repealed because everybody, the whole, there was outcry and how dare you take away our, our precious alcohol and ruin, ruin our culture in, you know, in the city where we, can, we all just want to be drinking till you know, the wee hours of the morning and then mm. vomit all over the streets. How dare you take that away? We want to keep murdering people by punching them while we're drunk. Like, yeah. I know that's, that's a too simplistic way of putting it, but mm. I think that's actually, you know, that's kind of what's behind it here. You know, um, we've repealed all those laws because there was, there was cultural outcry and it was politically untenable to retain those laws, despite, I think, lives being saved by those laws. Yeah. So, um, thanks for reinforcing my point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strong yeah. words, but I think they're important. Yeah, yeah. well said. All right, next one. Uh, someone says, Sam, I want to push back against what you said about saying no to alcohol as being the no-go in Australian culture, the sacred cow, he said. Um, this is a long comment. I'll kind of summarize it. Sure. And this person says, I've never touched alcohol once in my life. Uh, I walk regularly in circles where large amounts of alcohol are consumed by people who are very into the drinking culture. I've only ever had one person try to talk me into a drink. Uh, so... Uh, long comment saying, yeah, yep. is it really that people are going to force us on you, that kind of yeah, thing? I know, yeah, I know, and uh, good to, for me to be clear, I wasn't talking about saying no to alcohol in a personal decision, like you're at the party and they're like pushing a beer down your throat. I, I wasn't making that point at all. Mm. Um, I was more saying that as, as we, um, I think, would want to at points legislate for less consumption of alcohol in things like the lockout laws, to mm. be, to, uh, for instance, um, then th- there is there is a, a cultural outcry of no, don't touch our sacred cow. Not that when you personally, you know, I, I don't drink in those high, high drinking areas either. Uh, mm. You know, you go to a, a family wedding or something like that with your non-Christian cousins and they're all getting sloshed. No one's forcing you to, um, not, not, not actively, I don't find, um, yeah. to, to get involved. And that wasn't what I was talking about. Yeah. So. But you're saying bigger problem in the culture about we got yeah. an issue here. And yeah. 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 I mean, let me just give you one example of that. Mm. Like, um, at the moment in Parliament House, um, uh, there's been all kinds of issues uh, that are connected to, to alcohol, you know, and well, actually it was interesting, a couple of years ago, there was a whole bunch of problems around um, sex and sexual affairs and stuff like that. You remember mm. they, they, for a little while under Malcolm Turnbull, had a, what they called the bonk ban, you know, um, mm. it, it knows, and then they're like, don't you dare tell us what we can do with our sexuals, uh, you know, with our sexual lives. Imagine if you said no alcohol in ministerial offices, no one is, there's to be no partying, mm. um, what kind of change do you think you'd see there in terms of, you know, we have this big conversation around sexual assaults and uh, right conversations to be having and mm. we don't want to see sexual assaults. Imagine if you said no no alcohol in anywhere on um, Parliament House. You know, do you think they'd go for that? I think there'd be mm. outcry. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's un-Australian. The grog band, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. I think all of that shows you they're, they're kind of, the, they're proving the point, aren't they, that we, we have there, these issues in the that's culture. That's right. There's a sacred cow and if you tried mm. to legislate and say get rid of it, that there would be cultural outcry. Yeah. Yeah. 
Next one, this touches on something you just mentioned, but I think somewhere in your talk you had a kind of, there's a, you know, in the culture, alcohol's mm. view, it's just a bit of fun and nobody gets hurt, you know, don't be so down with the rules and all that. Yeah. Someone's texted the comment, uh, for women, drunkenness usually means a high risk of being sexually assaulted and it not going to court. Just a bit of fun and nobody gets hurt applies only to men. Yeah, and I hope, I hope it was clear when I said um, just a little bit of fun, nobody gets hurt, I, I wasn't condoning that sentiment. Mm. I was expressing the kind of sentiment that I've heard as people mm. um, justify getting a bit tipsy. It's just a bit of fun, nobody gets hurt. And yeah. I was um, at pains, I hope, I hope you can see in the rest of my bit there, to make the point that actually all kinds of people get hurt yeah. and uh, alcohol fuels violence. Um, and I think... Uh, this person said uh, increases risk of sexual assault. Um, I think what I would say uh, with sexual assault, if an assault particularly happens to a woman, we never want to be saying it was a woman's fault, uh, even if she were drunk. We, yeah. um, the sexual assault, if she's assaulted by a man, it is the assaulter's fault and mm. we must rightly condemn the, the, the assaulter yeah. um, for, for their heinous sin mm. uh, is there wisdom in therefore being re- re- remaining sober watching what you drink you know um, there's certainly date rape drugs and all those kind of things that um, I think women will do well to be very careful of as they drink in public um, yeah. but that is, none of that is to justify that well if, if a woman is raped in the you know she's had a drink or something like that that it therefore you know it was her fault she got that's not true at all yeah. um, but uh, I appreciate the comment, and I think I, I would encourage people to be very cautious as they're in um, in public drinking those kind of things. Yeah, I think that's very wisely and sensitively put. So thank yep. you. Yep. Last one to bring us home. Uh, this whole passage—it's talking about, as you said at the start, understanding the time, mm. getting rid of the deeds of darkness, clothing ourselves with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Last question today: What should I do if I want to stop living in sin but can't stop? Yeah. Thanks for your honesty. Um, uh, this can this can happen, can't it? Um, and I and I think I firstly just want to empathise and just say um, that's really hard. Um, sin and many of these things that I mentioned are, can actually be addictive behaviours, mm. can't they? I mean, alcohol is an addictive drug. Um, uh, sexual sin, we we touched on that briefly. Uh, that there can be addictions and all sorts of stuff um, with these things that um, makes them hard to break. Yeah. Um, generally, I'd say sin is like that, isn't it? Sin mm. is so deeply rooted. It's so part of our very... Romans talks about our sinful nature, the flesh. Um, it's deeply rooted in us, so putting it off is, is not a simple thing. Um, and I think I'd want to say two big things um, to, to answer the question. One is, it, 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 I guess this depends, are you a Christian? Um, yeah. If you're not yet a Christian and you're realising that you're sinning and you want to stop, the answer is turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Um, there, yeah. there is a sense in which when you become a Christian, conversion, um, that, that then um, Christ deals with your sin, he pays for it, and then he comes and sets up residence in you by his Holy Spirit that you live a new life. Um, so again, not knowing who's sent this in, I, I, I want to say, are you a Christian? Do, do you know the saving power of, of Jesus and the, and the great hope and freedom from sin that becoming a Christian gives? Mm. Um, that being said though, and this is my second point, um, it doesn't, um, it's freedom from the power of sin, but not freedom from every sinful behavior. Um, not, not at least not this side of glory. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the Christian continues to wrestle, and this is what Romans seven and eight were all about, right? Um, the, I do what I don't want to do. Yeah, I, I have this real sense of being a wretched person and mm. wanting, um, yeah, wanting change that that isn't yet here. Um, yeah. So you're in good company. Um, but let me give you, a, I guess, a big thought. Often this can happen um, when we 
we keep our sin to ourselves um, mm. and there's a there's a secret hidden sin that you know is going on but nobody else does gee that makes it hard to break and actually that's part of how I think um, sin thrives is when it's hidden and secret and, and uh, kept in the dark and there's great power I think in bringing it out into the light um, what 1 John 1 speaks about um, confessing your sins uh, walking in the light I think and allowing so, so if you've got something that you're stuck doing over and over and over again if it, especially if it's an addictive hidden thing uh, I would encourage you to share it with someone get some accountability uh, get them to keep reminding you of the gospel that you are saved by grace um, and then uh, but but part of that just there's a freeing power in sharing sharing sin with another and, and bringing it out into the light yeah. uh, a little bit like mold it gets killed by the light <laughs> uh, so, so does sin um, yeah and I, I suggested a book on Sunday night called You Can Change because um, you can. Um, yeah. It's a great book. It's a great gospel-founded book uh, where if you, you know, if, and it really thinks through the scriptures on how practically to um, take hold of God's transforming power um, to, to put sin to death. And I, I'd really commend that. Um, it's more than I can say here that's mm. in that book. But uh, that would be a, a, a practical step to, to, to take hold and, and get, get into. Yeah, nice. If I could add one thing, I think one of the things that's so crucial is like remember who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe coming back to 1 Corinthians 6, where we were before, is a good place to be. Like you pointed to Sam to the bit earlier in the passage, just talking about, you know, don't be deceived. Uh, these are people who won't inherit the kingdom of God, thieves and greedy and drunkards mm-hmm. and slanderers, mm-hmm. sexually immoral people. And then Paul goes on to say, and that is what some of you were. Mm-hmm. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And Paul tells the the Christians in Corinth where there were all sorts of sin issues they're still battling, and he tells them that that's not who you are anymore, that's who you were, but Jesus has come and and what Jesus has done changes everything. So you you have this new identity in Christ that you are a person who Jesus has saved, and now uh, keep looking at Jesus and remembering what he's saved you for. Yep. I think that breeds uh, an, an optimism for us. Like, as yep. you said, You Can Change is just hmm. such a good title because it's true. Like, yeah. the question said, you know, I can't stop. No, you can. Like, yeah. it, it might feel like you can't, but the yeah. reality is the spirit of our God is in you and you can. Yeah. So keep looking at Jesus and trusting him to, to transform you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great place to leave it. Great gospel moment for us to finish. And we hope mm. that whoever you are listening, whether, you know, whether you ask that question or not, in all sorts of ways, we're, we're battling sin, aren't we? We, we yeah. continue to struggle against it, but we can change and we can fight. Yep. So let me hope, yeah, hope that encourages you as you fight this week to keep looking at Jesus. To mm, yeah. Praise God that the, the day is coming. The, the dawn's nearly here. The night's nearly over. That's what we're looking forward to. Oh, man. Sunday to come. Uh, what's happening? We've got Baptism Sunday coming up yeah, for, for many of our congregations. A little bit of a break from our series in Romans. We'll, we'll be back in a week or so to that. Um, but yeah, this week uh, we're celebrating salvation at a, at a number of our congregations, uh, Yeah, which which will be excellent. And uh, then at, uh, some of our other ones where we're not doing any baptisms this week, um, I think we're doing 2 and 3 John yeah. is, is where they're going to be in, in God's Word. So uh, there you go. Excellent. That's what's happening. Looking forward to that. Uh, we will see you on Sunday. Have a blessed week. See you later.